Welcome back, uh, Elliot here at Engineers. We've got the lovely Yugita Sharma, who I've known for a long time. And <laughs> hello, uh, Yugita's going to talk to us a little bit about uh, all things software engineering. So code reviewing, uh, pair programming even, software empathy, working with teams, interviewing, and a couple of other surprise subjects. So we're going to listen to Yugita's experience over the last nine, 12 months and way beyond that. Just listen, there's some really good content. Um, she's, she's absolutely fantastic in terms of approach to interview. So she's going to give you guys some real good insight. So Yugita, do you want to just kick us off with your background and the last six, seven years in software engineering and what's, what that's really entailed for you? Uh, hi, Elliot. Uh, thank you for having me here. And uh, as uh, you have already introduced me, my name is Yogita. Uh, I have been working in software industry for a little over seven years now. And I have worked on developing um, Linux monitoring solutions, uh, developing event sourcing systems, configuration systems. And I have recently joined Kareem around seven months ago. So now I'm working in the whole uh, delivery industry, food industry, and the super app industry. Uh, I have mostly worked as a backend engineer, uh, apart from the starting two years where I was in front end for a very brief period of time. I enjoy what I do, and I think that software engineering uh, requires uh, commitment to incessant learning, and that's what I had been doing and having fun. Yeah. Talk, talk to us a little bit about those um, learnings for you then, because obviously I know some context, we know each other for a little bit of time. So talk to people about your, your just ever loving uh, need for learning. Talk to us about that. Sure, sure. So uh, anybody who has been a software engineer for maybe one or two years, uh, or maybe like uh, more than 10 years, they all know very well that tech is evolving very fast. And with the internet penetration in last few years, it is all over the place. And you have to keep yourself updated with new skills, new tech stack, and new languages because improvements keep happening, new better languages keep and frameworks keep coming out. And you have to keep yourself updated. Everybody knows that you have to commit some time to learning and development. And I believe if you don't uh, enjoy that process, you won't enjoy being a software engineer. But if you do crack the code to learning and develop that skill of learning how to learn, you can be a good software engineer and even like enjoy it to the fullest. What, what do you think your secret is to learn to enjoy how to learn? Okay, so uh, with the advancement and with the competition and uh, more and more software engineers uh, coming in, you always feel overwhelmed uh, that there is so much to learn and what to do. But the important skill is that you find out, uh, like rather than feeling uh, drowning uh, or feeling like, oh, there is, a, there is a sea of technologies to learn, you just uh, try to understand that you only have to know how to swim. And the part that how to swim is you just uh, develop the skill of learning, uh, learning to learn. And my uh, secret is that I had been dedicating one or two hours every day for past, uh, I don't know, 10 years till now 
in my learning and development and that's how i stay on track that's how i feel that i am in control and uh, yeah that that's how that keeps me uh, motivated and that keeps me keep going in the job as well so that's the secret it's like little bit of time every day even if it is 30 minutes or an hour or 45 minutes it can be at the starting of the day it can be during your lunch or break or it can be just like uh, one day out of your weekend i mean whatever works for everyone have you ever missed a day <laughs> certainly on vacations because unplugging is also very necessary <laughs> good um how do you cut through some of the noise that's out there because there there's always something new to learn and pick up there's the, there's the foundation uh, stuff that i think is really important system design architecture and so forth and then there's microservices which can tie into that i appreciate that but microservices containerization and like you said there's there's always things that are coming out or there's more penetration into technology so how how do you cut through that noise and understand what is valuable to learn do you think that's a very good question because i think focus is the key otherwise it's very easy to get distracted and get lost in multiple learning tracks or multiple learning paths what i prefer is that you always find something to work on uh, which you can actually apply for example there is no point of taking a docker uh, docker containerization course uh, if you're not going to use it there is no point of learning microservices if you are not going to work on any of the microservice so as you work as you apply those things uh, in your job or for a personal or a side project maybe you learn on the way you choose okay uh, so i am going to understand how uh, for example uh, how terraform works so you pick up a side project learn the learn the framework implement it apply it build something that's how you decide like what to focus on and if suppose there there is a tech that is going to be implemented at your work then again that is something to choose that uh, okay this is going to be useful at work or this i am going to apply this at work that's how you choose it. and obviously you cannot learn everything out there it's impossible to do that so focus is the key you need to know your direction you need to know what uh, uh, what is the field that you're going to gain expertise in and then move along in incremental manner yeah i th- i do think there's uh, a lot of people especially in the software engineering space that get so caught up with frameworks libraries what to learn what to apply because they're thinking about the next 6 to 12 months and trying to get ahead of the curve but i think if you actually i think how interviews are constructed nowadays is i think they try and understand the foundation so not try and understand what you know about the framework or the library it's the foundation knowledge that they're trying to understand if you know where you can apply all of your frameworks and libraries. Yes. That that's that, that's absolutely right. Yeah. That's what I would think is probably the best approach to to actually start learning about technologies that are coming to the forefront, understand the foundation knowledge, then you can pull other things into that to be able to apply it going forwards. 
that's absolutely right because if you learn uh, say for example um, two or three languages the fourth one is not going to be very difficult for you obviously if they belong to the same paradigm but similarly for the frameworks if you learn one uh, javascript framework obviously other is going to be very different but again if you know how to learn what to look for what are the patterns what are the features that are that you are going to use it becomes easier with time and yeah. obviously i don't think companies interview on the frameworks as you mentioned the companies interview on the fundamentals yeah i agree um you've you've interviewed with some really respectable companies Adyen, Google, Kareem, many others. Okay, I know this from from chatting to you for some time. So yeah. we were going to talk about this a little bit later, but I, I think it's it's probably ideal we speak about it now as we're in the moment. Can, can you share with the audience your mindset and approach when when looking at an interview? You've got Google in front of you who may ask you things around algorithms, data structures, and so forth. Talk to us a little bit about how you prepare or how you get yourself in the right mindset to interview. So I uh, intend to go in the interviews prepared rather than unprepared. Uh, some people uh, take the approach of just diving right in and then uh, get, after giving a couple of interviews, they get used to it. Uh, I personally prefer giving at least uh, a month or two to the preparation, uh, brushing up on the basics of data structures, algorithms, system design. And uh, while uh, going in the interview, I have this mindset that uh, I have to be relaxed, first of all, and I try to look at the interviews uh, more as discussions rather than someone questioning me or testing my skills. Because these days, even interviews are like that. They they are just looking for a friendly engineer who can speak their language, who knows their basics, who can solve problems in a given, in a given time, and who can communicate well. So I try to ensure of all these things. Uh, apart from pre getting prepared one or two months, uh, I also try to uh, do mock interviews before going into an actual interview. Mm. Like for Google and for Adian and Kareem, all of, before all of these interviews, uh, I had a mentor from Microsoft who used to do mock interviews with me. And I had one from uh, Uber Amsterdam also who helped me out by carrying out these uh, mock interviews. So uh, the good thing with that is you get prepared for the, the nervous, uh, for the nervousness and for the environment of the interview. And when you go into the actual interview, you know, what is going to happen you know what to expect so you can be calm and still focus on interviewing your mentor uh, i think it's important friend or not friend well not as in not friend but is it a close friend or someone that you know in the industry okay so both the mentors that i had uh, were not my direct friends one of them was like uh, a friend of a friend and okay. another one was like partner of a friend. <laughs> okay. So I didn't know those people directly. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that's a really good approach. I think it's really easy to rely on someone and their advice and it's close to home. You know, we've discussed that's... this. They've got your best interests at heart, right? Yeah. yeah. And someone else who doesn't have that emotional connection they can be not more brutal, but they can be more straightforward with that's true. With, that's with true. their approach and their communication to you. But 
I agree. And I, th I think it's smart that you've, you've gone and got yourself a mentor because I think they're really important. So it, it again, like it gives you a simulated environment. And as you said that since these people are not uh, in my direct connections uh, and there is no emotional attachment. So I remember uh, the one from uh, uh, Uber Amsterdam. Uh, he was like, okay, this is not happening. You're not prepared. Go back, prepare for one week and then come back. <laughs> I, I don't that. think a close friend would have done that. No, I agree. I agree. Um, talk, talk to me about um, emotional feelings going into interviews it, it's overwhelming for a lot of people how do you stay calm how do you stay composed does the preparation help you stay calm and composed yes uh, so that's the one part that the preparation uh, actually uh, makes you feel confident you have it this at the back of your head that I have solved problems, I have did mock interviews and I know where I get stuck and I know how to unblock myself and I know how to communicate my thoughts to the interviewer properly. So that certainly helps. But having said that, the moment you step into the interview room, the interviewer comes, you get nervous. You cannot help that. So just try to, uh, I just try to break the tension uh, by being over communicative. And I will say, hey, how are you doing? And okay, I'm going to uh, talk a lot throughout the uh, problem solving and I'm going to uh, speak my thoughts out to you until you ask me to shut up. So that uh, sort of <laughs> uh, sort of gives a comfortable feeling to the interviewer. And uh, the second most important thing is um, the emotional feeling is uh, you always feel that uh, what if uh, what I'm saying is uh, wrong and the interviewer is going to judge you uh, that uh, uh, okay you don't know this but that's not true the interviewer is there to help you and uh, if you are taking a wrong direction maybe they'll bring you back to the right direction so you should have that much trust in the interviewer uh, that yeah. way you can be emotionally calm okay what happens if you are met with an interviewer who um how best to frame this, uh, you probably feel as if, no, that they don't have your best interests at heart or, or they, they're they a little bit brash and forward with their words. Um, have you ever experienced that? And how do you count or how do you try and counter it? Uh, believe me or not, this has happened that uh, I, uh, while writing the code for a dynamic programming problem, I made a mistake and I had the wrong assumption and I made a mistake and uh, I felt the interviewer. So basically, if you try to uh, uh, tell the interviewer uh, that you know something and you don't know that, it actually tends to piss off people because they are like, be honest, if you don't know, if you don't know. But sometimes yeah. there, are, there are misunderstandings also. Some Making mistakes in an interview, uh, like you have to prepare for it, but sometimes it's inevitable. It happens. So I made a mistake and the interviewer started like questioning me again and again, like oh, one by one. Why did you say that? Or what do you mean by this? Mm. What happened? No, go back. Why did you do that? They dig. So they yeah, really they dig. dig. They, they really dig. So uh, the reality, the point there, uh, I mean, how you try to handle it at that point is you do a reality check that one, either you have made a mistake. Two, mm. you have not made a mistake, but the interviewer is misunderstanding you. Mm. 
if you have made a mistake just take two moments and tell them that okay hang on let me try to uh, go back and see what i have done wrong if you have not done a mistake again you can go back and prove it to them that uh, no i think i made a mistake in explaining but this is what i was trying to do at this step i i was going to try to save some states and then use them later on and like you you explain the problem yeah. if you are right and you come out as honest it seems to calm them down but if you start arguing then yeah. you have lost it you have lost the game there yeah yeah so i the agree key there is to not take it personally yeah i, I what you've just said is is really key uh, it, it's not personal. I, I really don't think it's personal. Um, I think. I, I think to summarise, I think what I'd say that really helps software engineers is preparation. Like you've said, um, it doesn't have to be two months. Don't panic, everyone listening. Uh, but it doesn't <laughs> have to be. Uh, it doesn't have to be two months. But I, I do think preparation is really key. Understand what might be expected of you, whether it's an exercise around algorithms, data structures like we've mentioned. Start preparing. Start doing a mock exercise. Get yourself in that zone. If it's maybe a high-level architecture conversation or code reviewing, and we'll go on to code reviewing in the next couple of moments, then start getting into that frame of mind where I see uh, people not do as well as they can and it's frustrating for them of course is I think preparation I, I'd say yes. take accountability outside the interview uh, and like we've just said preparation inside the interview in terms of is this me could I do something different start taking accountability is is what i would say yes yes that is that is the absolute key like if you prepare you have done uh, you have won half the battle yeah good code reviewing talk to us a little bit about um your experience of of code reviews do you like them do you dislike them and such and we can we can dig into some of that <laughs> okay so um I think uh, code reviews uh, are like workouts. You don't like them, <laughs> but they are very necessary. <laughs> I do actually like working out. But... Uh, okay, you so that means you have got into that stage of uh, yeah, unlocking. Up, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so code reviews uh, are obviously necessary because uh, when you are working in an environment where your code has to go in the production, uh, it has to uh, be stable, it has to be well-tested, it has to cover all the cases, and it should not break the existing things. And obviously, as a developer, it is your responsibility to make sure of all of these things. But sometimes you do miss things, sometimes you do miss cases, sometimes you uh, you the approach that you have taken is not as optimized, or the convention that you have followed is not as per what the company uh, convention is. So for multiple reasons, code reviews are necessary. Uh, it's just a way to stop uh, uh, any wrong code or any bugs or uh, any wrong code from going to the production. So definitely code reviews are necessary. Now coming, uh, talking about liking them, uh, I don't think anybody uh, likes code reviews, uh, but uh, 
certainly uh, people do, uh, are always scared also <laughs> that i like don't know what is going to be recording happen. back of yourself and thinking oh no did i say that or do i look like that on camera is that what it's like <laughs> yeah so you are expected to like do a self review of your code first okay. and again uh, there are blind spots when you are looking at your code it looks fine you have written test it works fine everything but when someone else is looking at it they will point out or find out something that you have missed so it is important uh, and i do feel that uh, those are very necessary and i try to get code reviewed as much as possible and obviously then there are comment wars and uh, uh, like uh, discussions and <laughs> uh people don't agree uh, sometimes uh, some code reviewers are too direct uh, sometimes uh, uh, the order of the code uh, like they take it personally uh, so there are many things uh, even uh, an emotional element is there when people write code so the key here is to like detach yourself from the code don't think of it as your code if you have submitted a code for reviewing if somebody else has submitted the code for reviewing the reviewer is going to have the same comments if the code is same the reviewer won't think that okay a person has given or b person has given they are going to give the same review because uh, it is about code it is not about you so the key here is not to attach your self worth to the code but do strive to get better when you get comments when you get improvements just try to learn from them look at the comments of code review as an opportunity to learn rather than as a sign of criticism and even if it is a criticism it's okay we have to take life uh, with a pinch of salt sometimes so it's okay i love your attitude you're an inspiration to us all um how how do you how how do um teams start to introduce code reviews and is it the most senior person that does the code reviews talk to me a little bit about that and let's just say if people in the audience are thinking about introducing code reviews of different ideas to their teams talk just about your experience yep. so it depends uh, from uh, company to company like some companies which are uh, which have more of startup environment and startup pace uh, they just uh, employ one uh, code reviewer Uh, so like if one person has written code one only one person has to approve it and mostly that person is going to be either a senior or a senior on that team who has the knowledge of that code base um, bigger companies uh, sometimes may employ two reviewers and until you get two approvals uh, you might not get uh, uh, you might not be able to like merge and ship your code again those two people are either at your level or slightly at higher level than you or maybe it can be your peer or junior as well if they know about that piece of code so those uh, so you have to just consider that who has the knowledge of that code base and who has the expertise and again sometimes there are uh, uh, designated code owners or service owners so sometimes their approval is also necessary okay have you code reviewed people before yeah okay what's your approach okay so i try to um, uh i uh, watch my language a lot but sometimes uh, so uh, i try to uh, like uh, separate my comments in like p0 p1 and p2 so if i will like write like p0 that means this is something critical this you have to fix you have missed a case or this is there is a bug possible bug p2 
P1 is like some some changes related to the uh, pattern or the design, which like you may or may not implement, or maybe like logging that you have to log something, which is like debatable. So P1s are like those. So P1s usually um, uh, start conversations. So I like those type of comments. And P2s are mostly that I code in certain way or I follow certain style. It's up to you. If you want to implement, it's fine. If you don't want to do, it's fine. But sometimes uh, uh, it happens that uh, there is a time crunch and you have to get other things done. So suppose uh, by mistake, uh, somebody has written in a wrong format. So instead of writing that, uh, please uh, check this format or please correct this format, I might end up writing, uh, this looks messed up. <laughs> so <laughs> I try to avoid so that So what goes a lot. quite eloquent and polite goes to this is bad, this needs fixing. <laughs> yeah, so I try to avoid that a lot, but sometimes it just happens and then I try to like correct and maybe like ping the person and say that it was just a small thing. Uh, but I understand if it happens with other person also. Like if someone is reviewing my code and they are being a little assertive or a little harsh, uh, I don't take it to heart. Maybe for a moment, but not more than that. Okay. Uh, I like that approach. Even th there's similarities with you. Um, I like how you take accountability for even approaching interviews to during interviews to code reviewing. Uh, you take accountability for yourself to learning to maybe a misapproach with with some code or something in the interview. Um, and I, I think a lot of people listening will be able to take away from that and think, actually, a bit of introspection, could it be me? Could, could, it, could, could I do something differently with my preparation yep. for interviews or maybe how I receive feedback? Because that's what helps people grow. They, they may not see it so much, but I think that's what helps people grow. Yes, that mindset that this is a learning opportunity actually uh, uh, helps you develop a better strategy to deal with it. Otherwise, uh, if you keep getting code review comments and you keep getting um, riled up because of that, it is not good for your mental health also. Yeah, I So as, as you summarize, just like, it's a learning opportunity. I, I guess it is a cycle though. I guess your, your preparation, desire to learn and better yourself, positive mindset and then maybe some setbacks that cycle just starts <laughs> again yeah <laughs> i i don't think i could have summarized it that well <laughs> yeah okay fine um that's that's how i see it um talk to me a little bit about software empathy then so what does that mean so, um, I mean, this is a very uh, well-known no topic and everybody knows about it, but uh, implementing it in real life is very difficult because, again, you have to do a lot of work, you have to finish a, a lot of goals, and uh, we m tend to miss this. But software is software exists to make life simpler, to make life better. Like, you have uh, Apple Pay so that you don't have to carry your wallet all along. You have... Uh, uh, companies like uh, Uber so that you can uh, have a right, right? So 
so software empathy is you have to empathize with the person who is going to use your software that can be an end user that can be another developer who is going to depend on your code like if you're writing a library and other developers are going to use it and the the user of your code can be a qa person who is going to test it you have to be empathetic towards all of them so your code should be making lives easier uh, it should be helping people it should not be uh, causing havoc in their lives so when you are uh, writing code when you are designing something you have to make sure that you understand the requirements very clearly if you don't do that you end up writing complicated code which is full of bugs and uh, uh, unpredictable things and it ends up in serving no one if you are not empathetic towards the uh, peer developers or uh, like uh, for the developers who are going to use your code again you are going to uh, make life difficult for them because if they uh, if your software behaves in an unexpected way or there are issues they will come back to you and say look this is not working because of your library we are stuck and we cannot move forward we are not able to build upon it and same thing is for qa so i feel that the job of uh, qa engineers is to assure of the quality of the software that you have built their job is not to correct your software <laughs> obviously they have to find bugs but you have to be little empathetic towards them as well so i mean everybody is preaching about this and this has been uh, around industry for quite some time that write tests for your code as a developer test your code as much as you can how on earth do you create an empathetic culture to your customers and users uh, I'm not saying that from a place of doubt. I'm saying that from a place of how do you do that with with teams? How are you able to get everyone um, together to say, pu push ego aside about creating great code or great applications? Th this is for you, but this is for the masses, if you like, who are going to be on the end of the app. How do you instill that, do you think? That is, uh, I am happy you raised that point because uh, that is a tricky part to do because uh, at the end of the day, your software shouldn't fail. Even if it fails, it should do so in a very graceful manner. Like if you are trying to uh, call uh, through a button or if you are trying to place an order or if you are trying to just buy something from a from a on uh, like e-commerce website, mm. suppose those widgets are not working or suppose your order got lost, at least design experiences like uh, okay your order got lost but we still have your uh, your cart saved, or sorry uh, our helpline is not working right now but please contact these numbers or sorry something is wrong uh, we should be back in one minute or you know like empathetic yeah. error messages or like graceful failures yeah. uh, i think product managers play a great role uh, in doing that because they are responsible for creating experiences but software engineers have to think about the cases that the cases which uh, uh, might happen because uh, the tech misbehaves or the software misbehaves and they have to include those cases while you're designing the software and as i said if you don't understand the requirements properly it's not uh, going to be a pleasant experience so spend uh, a considerable amount of time on requirement gathering and understanding think putting yourself in your customer's shoes and then thinking what would i like uh, the app to behave like okay requirements gathering um, writing tests building a relationship with qa um, 
talk, talk to me a, a little bit about that relationship between engineers and QAs and maybe <laughs> how you build that relationship. Uh, I think it's always, it's always going to be a, a love-hate relationship because <laughs> obviously we cannot do without each other and obviously uh, QAs are the people who are uh, the ones who say, no, this cannot go or no, this is not good or the quality is not up to the mark. But uh, uh, I think, I mean, my relationship with QAs have been a um, little um, uh, on and off, but uh, how uh, I, I try to understand their problem, like what uh, the problem they are facing and try to help them automate stuff or try to give them as much information as possible uh, that they need in order to carry out some testing. That actually uh, not only reduces their work, that actually helps them give a lot of context. So... Some companies, what they try to do is they try to include QAs in uh, the development cycle from very early. Mm -hmm. So the QAs would know that what the design is like, how the development is going to be. So yeah, that those are some things that you can do to have a good relationship with QAs and obviously fixing bugs that they report. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I can imagine it's tough in code reviews, um, creating empathy between teams, to say, here you are, go and play nicely, C communicate nicely with one another because it's it's emotional, right? Everyone brings emotions to the workplace or to what they're passionate about. So, so how how would you suggest being able to communicate to your peers? in in the best way possible or what's your advice how do you take that step back and say right i'm going to give someone a really positive code review not that you're going to go and and try and give someone a negative one but how do you take that step back and become emotionally removed kind of so uh, as you said uh, it's not easy and I don't think it's easy for anyone. Uh, everyone uh, has bad days at work. What you can do is like, I have I have learned this in recent uh, years or you can say months that listening is really important. You have to listen what the other person have to say. I mean, we all have heard this advice that uh, listen to uh, understand, don't listen to reply, but it is so difficult to implement it at work. But uh, unfortunately, that is the key because sometimes the uh, sometimes people are having a bad day. Sometimes people are saying something that you are not able to understand. And instead of clearing that out, you are saying something else and you're getting into a conflict. So uh, you should try as much as possible to give benefit of doubt to the other person. You should listen to them. Be compassionate towards them and towards yourself, of course. And... Uh, improve communication and like uh, if you make uh, people feel included valued and yeah. uh, and you and you show them that you value their opinion even you agree with them or not agree with them uh, i think that helps you foster better relationships at work yeah we we spoke last week to uh, babylon health and uh, they were talking about an event playbook okay so alignment is centralized and they were all able to talk from the same page and understand uh, each team's dependencies and why they were doing things how they were doing things so 
if people weren't around, you were able to go to that playbook and understand why people are doing things and how. That's a really good way to create alignment, inclusivity, and everyone's involved. Or I think I think it's a good idea. Can, can we um, can we summarize uh, a couple of our our points today, just around interviewing, code reviewing, and software empathy? So I think what one thing that stands out for me is a mentor. Okay, uh, that's not the overarching thing, but I think one thing that stands out is a mentor. So if you're listening, grab a mentor. I think it's a fantastic idea. Reach out to someone in your network who will be able to be really straightforward with you, maybe schedule in 30 minutes of your time each week. But I know that I could really do one with one because they're just, I just know they're so helpful. I just know they're so helpful. Go and do it. What's yours? Yeah, and the second, as we mentioned, like uh, preparation. Not, uh, as you said, okay, maybe not two months is a big time, uh, is a long time, but at least uh, like a week or two, just like get in the zone, practice a bit, uh, brush your concepts, and just uh, be prepared. Yeah. Also, have a look how you've articulated yourself on your CV, okay? Because people will ask you to talk about your project, what you've done, the ownership of that project or of that build, so to speak, the decision-making behind that. So it's really difficult to be able to give so much context in an interview capacity when there are emotions running. So please look at your CV and see how you've articulated yourself and be able to go and talk to someone and say, this is what we built, this is why, this is how, these are the decisions that we took. Because there are so many instances that I've seen over six, seven years as well, where people just can't explain what they've done. That's uh, that's certainly uh, important because you will be asked about your projects and if yep. you are able to summarize them in two to three minutes, that shows that you have a deep understanding of the project. Yeah. Um, what about some other points? Mental preparation, um, accountability. Accountability is a great one. The The cycle that we discussed take accountability for code reviewing, interviewing, and have some introspection and think, okay, is this me? How could I positively impact this situation? Be kind, communicate well. They're things that stand out for me. That, that, that solves a lot of problems, uh, being a software engineer, if you are accountable. Good. Um, have you got anything else that you'd like to to share with us they're they're massively insightful pieces that will no doubt help a lot of people and i'm sure people will reach out to you have you got anything else to share yeah yeah just uh, one last point that uh, uh, general tips of software engineering that we talked about code reviews and uh, learning and interview preparation 
even after interview preparation and getting a good job at a good company still you have to uh, excel as a software engineer so the key here is like uh, enjoy the process uh, like like uh, be in love with the process of learning and becoming better at your job every day being a better version of yourself every day and it, this effort is going to add up over years and uh, you before uh, you become an expert you would not know that it happened in such a short time and we've got your ted talk coming soon haven't we you're an inspiration <laughs> I, I no, wish that but, happened someday <laughs> no but you make a good point enjoy the process because it doesn't stop it it, it, it doesn't. doesn't stop whether it's gym like you said code reviewing or moving up the chain if you've got aspirations it doesn't stop enjoy it yep yugita thank you so much for joining us you know i do I do really appreciate it. There are going to be hundreds of people that appreciate your insights as well. Please reach out to Yagita on LinkedIn and uh, ask her questions. If, if on the odd chance you want to ask me a question, then feel free to ask me a question. Please like, share, subscribe, do all of that fun stuff. We're across YouTube, we're across uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, the usual places, Apple, Spotify. Um, and if you want to come and share your stories of what your company is building or the impact that your team have had or ownership of a couple of projects, then hit us up. Come and talk to us. Come and share your story like your geek has done. Once again, thank you, Elliot, for having me here and letting me share uh, my insights. It absolute was, it was just fun last 40, 45 minutes. No, absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Everyone, have a lovely weekend. See you soon. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. Thanks for watching this episode. Uh, massively appreciate you listening and checking in with us. If you want to find out more about us and what we're doing, please check us out on social media. What we're trying to do at Engineers is build a community to drive knowledge sharing and experiences. On Twitter, we can be found at engineers.io. It's no underscore. We've also got a website, which is engineers.io. These links will all be posted in the description. Any feedback and comments are massively appreciated. We're always looking to improve on where we can. Thanks, guys.